Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Wednesday, September 16th, after the Cubs take two of two from the Cleveland Indians at Wrigley Field, thus sweeping the four-game season series from the team from Cleveland Guys, I know you listen to this podcast and expect us to be on point, but the jokes are just so easy. You know what I mean? It reaches a point where I almost feel like, you know, the bit is just so easy that it it's like a disservice to how funny I find it and how funny Brendan finds it. Um, But just because I can't resist, Brendan. Have the Cubs ever won back-to-back games on a Tuesday and a Wednesday against the Cleveland Indians with the second of those games going to extra innings? But hasn't it happened before after a delay on a Wednesday night game? I feel like there was an instance in years past, not too long ago. You're on to something here. 
so the jokes are very easy. The minute the Indians are on the schedule, I get myself queued up. Like I, I just wake up those days knowing, you know what, I'm going to be really obnoxious on social <laughs> media today, and I'm happy about that. Uh, but sometimes it's a little on the nose, right? Like there was a, a drone, not only a delay, but a drone-related delay. The only thing more on the nose would have been a rain delay. Uh, we go to the 10th inning. They win in extra innings. Just a lot of, you know, stuff that's in sync there. But uh, in case you have forgotten, what we are alluding to is uh, the Cubs winning three straight games, not just two, uh, but the final two were on a Tuesday and a Wednesday in the 2016 World Series, which completed a comeback from a 3-1 deficit, resulting in the Cubs winning the World Series. Yes, World Series, correct, yes. Yes, so that is, uh, if you're not in on the joke, allow me to break the fourth wall here and explain it to you. But this was a a fun couple days. Obviously, you have two walk-offs in this series. Uh, So a little tense at times, obviously, right? Anytime you need to win in the bottom of the ninth or the bottom of the tenth, it's going to be a little tense. We had to to put in a little work emotionally to get there. Uh, But you get two walk-off wins. You pick up the Ws. Now you have another off day on Thursday. You've continued to maintain that spot in the division. Things are good in the land of the Chicago Cubs as we now only have 10 games left in this season. Can you believe that, Brendan? I feel like we, I honestly, like I, it did go by very fast and I still feel like we were, you know, it feels like yesterday that we were doing the episodes where there, we didn't even know if there was going to be a baseball season. I know. And now here we are uh, very close to the end of it and it's a little weird. So, here we are, though. Ten games left, and the Cubs are in a good spot. So we have a couple games here with Cleveland to recap, and then we'll get you set for the weekend and, and set to enjoy your off day before we, we hit the ground running here towards the postseason. On Tuesday, it was a 6-5 to five Cubs win. Yu Darvish started this game. He gets a no decision. He went seven, nine hits, two earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. His season ERA sitting at 1.8. 8-6 on the year, so still very much in the Cy Young conversation. You described this start as being terrible. He had nothing, he said. Uh, so if seven innings of two-run, seven-strikeout ball is used definition of terrible and having nothing, I fear <laughs> for anybody that has to face him on the days that he is, however he would describe being on. We've certainly seen it. Uh, but apparently that was not on Tuesday night, uh, but he still is very, very good, keeps the team in the game. Unfortunately, it was Jeremy Jeffress' second blown save of the year uh, in this one in the top of the ninth that allowed this game to be tied by the Cleveland Indians. They get two in that ninth inning. But the Cubs would come back and win this one. The scoring in this game, Javi Baez, his seventh home run of the year. This was of the 450-foot variety to center field. Uh, So the phrase Javi Bomb, particularly apt here. The Indians would take a 2-1 to one lead in the top of the third, extend that to 3-1, to one. but in the bottom of the fifth, it was Brizzo getting things tied up. Chris Bryant singling to bring home Ian Happ, and then he would score on an Anthony Rizzo double 
always good to see the Brizot Souvenir Company. Not necessarily providing any souvenirs, but business is still good regardless. Wilson Contreras would give the Cubs the lead on a sack fly in the bottom of the seventh, and Jason Hayward on a strikeout in the bottom of the eighth. I'm just going to, this is how it's phrased on the MLB game day, Brendan, so I'm just going to read this. Uh, And the simple answer to understanding how this works is Javi Baez. El Mago is the answer to this problem. Uh, But the the scoring description on MLB.com, Jason Hayward strikes out swinging. Javier Baez steals second base. Javier Baez scores. Throwing error by catcher Sandy Leon. Uh, So how does one score from first base on a strikeout? By being Javi Baez is the answer. He just kept on running uh, when the, the throw was errant and they just couldn't stop him. And in typical Javi fashion, he slid across home plate to complete the play while blowing a bubble. Uh, so, you know, like I can't walk through my kitchen without bumping into a table or a chair or something. And Javi's stealing three bases and blowing bubbles while he's sliding playing professional That's baseball. Obvious. So that's just the difference between me and Javi Baez, I guess. Uh, in the top of the ninth, like I said, Jeremy Jeffress blowing his second save of the year. Jeffress has been really good, and so I think, uh, you know, he was sort of due for a game like this. He gets bit by one of the better hitters in the league, Francisco Lindor, for a two-run home run that tied the game. Uh, and fortunately for the Cubs, in a game where Jeffress was not reliable, which he has been extremely good in this year for the Cubs, they end up winning anyway. So that is always uh, a good way to sort of get those, hey, he's due for a bad outing, but it's not going to cost us the game. In the bottom of the ninth, the Indians would load the bases, and it would be a hit-by-pitch to Cameron Mabin. Wilson Contreras was hit with a pitch before. He was very displeased about it, as you might imagine. Uh, And then the very next pitch hits Cameron Mabin, looked like maybe in the ribs, uh, and that's a walk-off winner. That's one way to walk it off. Uh, not necessarily the most exciting, but hey, a win is a win. So it was 6-5 to five, the final on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, not the most exciting baseball game, uh, but the Cubs winning this one 3-2 to two in 10 innings. John Lester on the hill in this one for the Cubs, and it was another good start for John. Five innings, four hits, two earned, one walk, and one strikeout. So not... Uh, a deep outing. John only throws 62 pitches in this game, uh, but the Indians, you know, made some good contact, you know, had some balls die at the wall. uh, And, you know, I think Ross just uh, trying to be, as we've discussed, you know, more particular about when to extend John, when to go to the bullpen, uh, and especially with the off day coming in, no reason not to slap John on the back. Hey, great start. And, you know, we'll, we'll turn this one over to the bullpen. And it worked. Uh, so the Cubs getting their runs in this one on a Jason Hayward single and a Cameron Mabin single. The Indians would tie the game on an Oscar Mercado home run in the top of the fifth. We would go all the way until the bottom of the 10th inning where the Cubs would load the bases. It looked as though they were going to manage to not score in a situation that would have been really annoying if they had managed to not score, but it is the aforementioned El Mago who comes through. He lines one down the left field line to bring in the game-winning run in the form of Ian Happ. The Cubs win. They are 30-20, and 20, and they take both games from the Cleveland Indians. So, 
All told, Brendan, only a couple games here, so not really that much going on. Uh, But this is an Indians team that has done well so far in the 2020 season, despite, you know, selling off uh, guys like Mike Clevenger and stuff. Uh, and, you know, for this team to continue, you know, obviously we have that that real shift in how things were going in that uh, ninth inning on Saturday night against Josh Hader when, when Hayward and Vargas take him deep to win that game. We roll that into a no-hitter, have the off day, and, you know, they, they came back and they won some really tight games. And I think the one thing that stands out, you know, again, th- this Indians team is is the, the third best in that AL Central behind the Twins and uh, the leading White Sox. But this is still a team that has has done well uh, throughout the year. Now they're 26-23, and 23, but came in at 26-21. and 21 to these uh, two games. And what really stands out for me in this series is as we get near the playoffs, these were tight games. You know, you had your your reliable closer blow a game. The team responds. They put together an inning where they got guys on base. They win the game, right, via, a, you know, a gift to a degree, but still. And then they come back on Wednesday. They get another good start, so the second in a row from John Lester. And again, a close game. They stay with it. They get some good performances out of that bullpen, and then they, they manage to scratch that, that run across in the 10th. So as we head towards the playoffs here, especially a playoff system that is going to be a gauntlet, right? Starting with a three-game series, an eight-team field, it's going to be all over the place. It's nice to see this team kind of coming together in these big, tense spots and getting the job done. We were talking about whether this could be a series that Javi Baez continues to look better or whether Anthony Rizzo kind of breaks out a little bit. And for those two particular hitters, Rizzo on the first game had three base hits, and then on the last game, on Wednesday, he had three hard hits, but just right to the glove of the Indians. So so Rizzo looked really good that series, and it's good to see. And then as far as Javi goes, he, he looked good, man. Even that last walk-off hit, that was a, a little bit of a hanging breaking ball, but he was still on it. And the, the quality of the at-bats looked a little better. On the bases, he's running freely. He's he's playing loose. The demeanor looks looser. But even David Ross said at the at bats, the quality of the at bats have looked better for Javi. And I, I think the at least for the past few games, some of the data and some of the eye test is matching up with it. The last game too on Wednesday, Corey, the bullpen stepped up, and so they continue to be reliable for. Uh, David Ross. So in the last game, you had Tapera, you had Wick, you had Kimbrell, you had Jeffress, you had Adam. So in just two games, the Cubs with Rizzo and Javi look better. The bullpen looks good. And now their playoff chances, this is no hyperbole. According to fan graphs, they have a 100.0% chance of making the playoffs, Corey. And as of Wednesday evening right now, they have a 97.2 chance of winning the NL Central. So those are pretty good odds. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching prop, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Yeah, it's it's a good place to be. The team is playing well. They're they they are vibing. I know we talk about that a lot, but but you know certainly feeling it. And a, a good series from Javi here. We we see some of those like sort of quintessential El Mago moments on the base paths, hitting home runs. And again, as we talked about, like it's it it really is not. And Chris Bryant actually said sort of exactly what uh, I've been saying on here for the last couple episodes. Uh, I know there was a quote that Patrick Mooney from the Athletic was passing around, where he he almost verbatim said what I, I we've been saying on here, which was you know nobody's going to look back at all of the stats and you know break all of that down. It's all going to be about what happens in the playoffs and 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 looking at the bigger picture of a team coming together in the middle of a pandemic with no fans and you know trusting each other and going through this process and and getting through it and and trying to accomplish something special. So obviously we're going to care about the stats a little bit, uh, but I, I do think he's onto something there. And you know specifically with with a guy like him, KB. And Javi, uh, you know, who's still coming out of this series, both of their numbers, you know, don't look like where you want them to be, but they both contributed in this series. And it's very easy to envision what this team looks like if those guys are really going Uh, and, and even maybe not to their career levels, but just contributing at all, which which is not something that you'd say about both of them uh, for this entire year, but that was on display in this series uh, against the Indians, and it's you know again like ten games to get everything as close to right as you can get it, and so I think that's uh, where the primary focus is, I suppose, just on uh, getting those guys in that spot before we head into uh, this this whole thing. It feels like though. There's not many, and they're big pieces, don't get me wrong, but it feels as if there's not many pieces to get right right now. Like a few weeks ago, I thought the bullpen would be the primary focus of concern, right? But they're they're stepping up. And right now we're looking at just the middle of the order with Javi, KB, Rizzo, and Schwarber. And with Rizzo and Javi looking better, it's it's not inconceivable to think in the next two weeks, KB and Schwarber just start getting more base hits. And then at that point you know, like what are our main concerns, maybe the middle of the rotation, but they've looked better with a no hitter and Lester being a little serviceable. So it's not, it's not like an overwhelming amount of, of areas to focus on. I'm surprised about being this late in the season. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I and you know, again, like that's that's why such a big deal was made of them starting thirteen and three, and mm-hmm. they've been able to weather a, a pretty mediocre stretch that preceded, uh, you know, kind of this little run, uh, this four game win streak that they're on now and stuff. And it's it's allowed us to be in a position, especially with the rest of the division just being pretty stinky overall. Surprisingly so. Yeah, it's it's allowed us to just sort of focus on getting things right, which is a, a bit of a luxury. And, they, you know, they still need to take care of business. But that's why I said I was so pleased with them coming through in these close games against a team that, you know, has a good record. Uh, because they still need to rack up these wins. You're still looking at uh, what exactly this playoff bubble is going to be like and stuff like that. And I think you want one of those top two seeds. I, I think it's a it's a tricky game to get into. Do we want to play this team in the playoffs or not? Because uh, you're kind of just asking for that to backfire on you by choosing your opponent, right? Uh, but I think anytime you can be in a position where you're, you know, especially like that series against the White Sox that's going to close the season, if you can not have to worry about winning those games, right, and and your main concern is, are we getting, you know, Darvish and Hendricks lined up the way we want them to? Are we getting Javi and KB and these other guys seeing pitches and, and feeling good at the plate like we want them to? That is a, a massive, massive luxury, and one that you kind of assumed you weren't going to get in a season like this, uh, you know, like in seasons past, like in 2016, for example, right? Like the Cubs are a million games up in the division. They have the NL lead pretty much in hand, you know, so by those last couple weeks, you're able to like really set things up. Like our goal is to win the World Series these last couple weeks. That's what we're putting our energy into. In a 60 game season with eight teams making the playoffs, you kind of assumed you weren't going to have that luxury. Uh, and you, you may only for a couple days or whatever, but with being a lock to make the playoffs and and looking like you're going to win the division, it it affords them some real security to just sort of put their focus on like, okay, let's get everything where we need it to be. And I don't know if that informed Ross's decision to only let Lester, you know, have that short leash on Wednesday night, but it wouldn't surprise me if that played into it just a little bit. They saw what they needed to see from John. There's no reason to push him you know, to a hundred pitches just for no reason. And it, it's a good opportunity. Like, let's get more of these relievers in this game and, and keep getting them spots in close games and, and seeing what everybody's able to do because we need to figure out where we're going to be 10 games from now. So it's it's a good spot to be in. And and again, it's like, it's it's really jarring to think of the the possibility we were facing on Saturday night, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before Hayward and Vargas change that game. I mean, the, the, the outlook of, of where we'd be right now is just a different place. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good spot to be. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good spot to be. Even the bottom of the order is encouraging. On Wednesday, you had Maven go two for three. I'm really feeling what Maven's providing at the plate, by the way. I know the numbers are kind of hard to project because he's been so variable over the few years, but whatever, we're in a short season. He's been great. And then Nico had a nice uh, double, nice line drive. He continues to smoke the ball. So the the overall lineup, despite Schwarber batting 194, despite Javi and KB and Tony going through their dry spells, they're, they're still finding ways to to compete and stay competitive. I know they had that rough stretch there for a while, but overall, they, they are showing some resilience in, in these wacky playoffs, especially those that three-game series. 
you know, you kind of want to have at least a little bit of, of, of resilience top to bottom in that lineup in case by then you still don't have a full-on gearing Javi Baez or Chris Bryant. Yeah, well, and Brendan, like just looking at this, it's uh, like some of this is like honestly remarkable to a degree, right? It so is. there's 10 I mean, games left. Yeah. We're through 50. There's 10 left. And two through six in the lineup on Wednesday, Bryant's got a 205 average and a 609 OPS. Rizzo has a 220 average and a 746 OPS. Contreras, 248, 747. Schwarber, 194, 720. Baez, 211, 627. <laughs> this team has one of the largest division leads in the sport. It doesn't make sense, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But that shows the resilience of... The depth that we, we've talked about. I mean, to have Kipnis continue to step up. He had, what, two hits on Tuesday? He's, he's still being a little bit of a, of a staple for Ross at times in selective matchups. But it's that bullpen, too. I mean, the, the bullpen stability a month ago, I, honestly, I know we always talked about them having the potential to do it, to have the stable bullpen, but they're, they're, they're doing it, man. Like, since that first week... They've been having some of the best numbers in in the pen, and they continue to have guys with those top tier whiff rates, and that has to be credit towards Tommy Hadovy. That's that's the advantage and the benefit, and why we've talked about coaching staffs for over the past few years, because to have like a Jason Adams step up and Rowan Wick and getting Tapera turned around, and overall getting Kimbrel looking back on track in a rapid timeline, a lot of credit has to be towards Tommy Hadovy right now. But one thing that I hope people, you know, are paying attention to as it relates to this Cubs team and everything, like this is a team that's doing all of this where two of their five starters in the rotation to begin the year, even in regular spring training, right? Regular spring training or out of summer camp before we learned that that Q was going to be out, haven't been there or have barely participated in this season, right? And Q's still working his way back, but Chatwood's got a thing with his elbow and is presumably done, right, which would put an end to his Cubs career. And they're they're still managing to navigate all of this. And I know plenty of teams have injuries. Like, it's it's been a weird season. So, I, you know, this it, it's not like, a, oh, the Cubs are, are special. But I do think it's it's worth noting, like, this team is 30 and 20 where two of the guys you had in your rotation to begin the year have contributed, you know, ba- basically what? Two good Tyler Chatwood starts. That's what we got out of Chatwood and and Quintana. So, for them to be able to do that, for someone like Mills to step up the way that he has for the bullpen to hold as many leads and and keep games close as much as they had for as bad as they started. It's really a remarkable effort. Uh, by this team. And if you're if you're listening to us talk about, you know, how are they doing this with so many of their big names struggling, if you had uh, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, uh, Jeremy Jeffress, and Alec Mills sort of lifting this team onto their back uh, in your, your preseason predictions, I, you should probably play the lottery would be uh, partially my suggestion for you. Um, not that all of that is out of nowhere to a degree, but it's it, just looking at it, it's pretty fascinating, honestly. Like, I know that there's a lot of stars around the league that have not been having the seasons that you might expect them to, but it's it's pretty wild to see the way this team has persevered and been able to succeed. Because if I told you, Brendan, at the beginning of the year, like when we talked to Jordan Bastian from Cubs.com in our preview for this, you know, we talked about 
oh, well, if Victor Caratini has a big year, like he's an X factor, like I think that could be big for this team. Like if we went back to that conversation and I said, okay, I'll tell you right now that Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, and Baez all underperform to different degrees, you would have said, uh, that probably didn't go very well, right? And they've managed to do it. So it's 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 a it's a hat tip to all of the guys that have stepped up. At, you know, like Ian Happ, like Jason Hayward, like Jeremy Jeffress, you Darvish, of course, Kyle Hendricks, who have had those big seasons uh, amidst this. But it, it's it's also, uh, I think, a hat tip to the entire group for grinding this out. It can't be easy for those stars, you know, uh, in particular Bryant and Baez to not be performing at the way that they expect to. But for them to continue grinding this out, you know, you look at Javi, he impacts the game when he has the chance to. And it hasn't been as often because he hasn't been on base as much uh, and, you know, just hasn't been been hitting the way that he wants to. But he's still getting in there. He has those opportunities, and he's still providing those moments. KB getting on base, taking his walks, had a hit late in the game on Wednesday too. Like, it's it's a testament to these guys really sticking with it and, you know, not being too prideful, I guess, that it's, you know, that it's not them doing all of the the heavy lifting. And so it's it's just, it's been impressive to watch. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine that this is all easy for them, uh, you know, with all of this, with no fans dealing with their families amidst a pandemic and stuff that's going on. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things where we devote a lot of energy to the team and it's, it's nice and, and, rewarding and you know you feel I, I I think a sense of pride in rooting for this team that you know they're they're going out there and they're taking care of business it's been unorthodox it's been a little weird but they're they're grinding it out for us man so since August 10th so after that's about nine games uh since August I'm sorry that's about 12 games since August 10th I want to read some bullpen numbers Craig Kimbrell has pitched 10 innings he has a K per nine of 20. Corey in that stretch with a 1.74 ERA. And then you have other guys contributing like Dwayne Underwood Jr. also with 11 innings, a 3.3 ERA. Colin Ray, almost uh, eight innings, a 2.3 ERA. Even Dan Winkler, which I I can't believe this is actually accurate, but it is. 12 innings, a 2.2 ERA. And Jeremy Jeffress, a 2.7 ERA. And Kyle Ryan, a 3.5 ERA. And again, this is all after the that first rough stretch, and they're they're normalizing. And you have, I think, a few interesting debates going into the, the into the final stretch with Tapera and with Wick, and maybe Kimbrel returning to that closer role, with maybe Jeffress going back to the eighth inning. There's a lot of ways this can go this can go over the next ten days, but it's a luxury to have, as you said. Like I I, I genuinely did not think. After the first two weeks, we would we would be here. I knew it was a possibility. We knew the talent level, but they're almost reaching that that top seventy five percentile of their projections. I think, and it's again, you just got to give them a lot of credit. This is this is a weird season. You have to adapt super fast, and they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And let, let's just talk about the bullpen now. I know we we've been we were doing that at the end, but that was more when it was a dumpster fire. So it was kind of like <laughs> let's just save the negative part for the end of the podcast because the and team was winning. Yeah. yeah, so it was just like I, I think we can kind of switch that up. It's been now. promoted up in the podcast. Yeah, the bullpen has been promoted to a yes. a regular 
portion of the podcast topic, but one one area that I and also why I think it's important to talk about this. So I, I think they're still working out the details with this. I don't. It's Manfred's league, so it's all just a big yeah, mess. Speaking of I dumpster know. fires, uh, but it sounds like at least for the first few rounds in these playoffs, there's not going to be off days. Uh, so your bullpen depth becomes exceedingly more important than it otherwise would be. And it's, again, typical, I know a lot of this is going to get blamed on on the situation, right? Just gestures at the world. But I think a lot of this will get blamed on that, COVID and, and, and whatnot. But it's ridiculous to me that a decision like that is made after the trade deadline, right? And not even at the beginning of the season, let alone. Because that completely changes things, right? Like teams that have more, a, a larger quantity of reliable relief arms and a larger stable of starters that they trust are are now given a, a bigger advantage. And I, I think the Cubs can fit into that. Uh, but just in a general sense, it's just sort of an absurd thing to announced to teams with literally 10 games left. Oh, by the way, you're not going to have any off days in in the playoffs. So if you're planning on doing like an Andrew Miller thing, like the Indians who lost the World Series in 2016, uh, where you're just going to ride like that same group every game and just try to win a championship. Oh, sorry, you can't do that. Well, Uh, even the Nationals last year too, they they used those off days because they basically used their starting rotation every single game, those top three guys. So they can't do that anymore either. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, to a degree, the, the Cubs did that in 2016. I mean, sure. Chapman yeah. wore a lot of innings for that team. Like, and, you know, it, it's just something where if you knew that, you would plan differently to a degree. That's all. Uh, so that's why I kind of want to talk about the bullpen now. And a, a really good showing in for in pretty much every sense. Uh, Tepera with a couple walks, so obviously not what you want to see. But he goes an inning after Lester, no hits, no runs, two walks and a strikeout. Wick follows, no hits, no runs, no walks, a strikeout. Kimbrell then follows uh, for an inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Jeffress follows, one inning, one hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Jason Adam gets the win in this one, one inning, no hits, no runs, one walk, one strikeout. Like, to be in a place now where even if it's one game and you know even i i think the indians offense hasn't performed well uh in a general sense on the year but from where we were at the beginning of the year if i told you that the cubs bullpen was going to f- you know follow a five inning start in a game that lasted 10 innings and they were going to use five different guys and you know basically be clean across the board i mean there was one hit in that, in all five of those innings, now there were three walks, which you don't like to see, but so what, right? If I could go back and and tell myself in those first, you know, that first week or first two weeks, like, hey, we're going to get to a point where there's a, a pretty decent stable of guys that you trust, and they can come in and get the job done, and they can do it in a close game. I probably would have handled those first couple weeks a little better, right? Like I would have been a little yeah. more calm about that. Um, so yeah, like you said, this is a testament to Tommy Hadovy and the work that these guys have done. And, and that's not everybody, uh, you know, that I think is in that circle of trust or that we can hope is, is in that circle of trust by the end of these 10 games. But I, I think as you're looking to perhaps need to lean on the depth of your pitching a little more, if that's how these playoffs are going to work, 
the Cubs have have managed to get them in a place where that is not out of the question for them to do, and I think it looked out of the question in the first couple weeks of this season. Has the last week or so changed your trust in the higher leverage guys in terms of order? For example, I, I know you're not there yet, or you would have announced oh, it. Oh, what did but you want to talk about, Brendan? <laughs> I just wanted to bring up uh, this this guy named Craig Kimbrell, Corey. So you just heard I read the K per nine of 20 over his last 10 innings. Uh, are you feeling the closer role coming back, or do you want to stick with Jeffers here? Uh, and I, I, I know Tapera's walking guys, but... I I I don't know. I maybe a few more games and even Tapera could be considered like a seventh or eighth inning guy just because of that whiff rate alone. Again, he's number four in the league. Has anything changed for you, Corey? I mean, I I think I still like Jeffress in that role. I think he's just he's got the demeanor for it, and he's been so good. I I don't want to pull that from him after. So what's it going to take? <laughs> what's it going to well, take? I mean, for no, I mean, back? I was getting there. Like, I mean, okay. I I think you're you know you're really nearly or at the point where you can try that with Craig again. Uh, and it's my you know like my whole thing has been the the first you know couple times that they did it. It was insane to do. I agree. You know, and it was just like, guys, like, this is crazy. You're you're hoping for something that just isn't happening. We've seen them put in the work. We've seen them have the patience. You know, we we even saw at one point through this process, you know, Ross not even let him get through the inning. You know, as soon as it looked bad, he went out there and got him in one of those. There's a lot of credit to Ross right there, too. Something that we haven't highlighted. He he is recognizing when to use correct and when when to pull him, even though it appears uncomfortable. So we can give him... Some some criticism, which is fair, but there's also some credit due, especially with how he's managed Kimbrell. Yes, absolutely. So I I, I think you could try it. Um, you know, I I, I just it's I, I think that Jeffers has been so good in that role, and I know his his ERA and and like the FIP discrepancy is is maybe a little higher than you'd like, but I, I think he sample. just has that attitude and he has the stuff to pitch around that and, and to get yeah. the job done. So I don't want to remove him from that spot, you know, after uh, one of his very few bad outings. Remember, the first bad outing that he had was in the second inning of a multi-inning outing, uh, I think in extra innings that that got him. So a pretty unique spot for him to blow up. And then, of course, the blown save on Tuesday where he gets homered uh, off of by Francisco Lindor. So, you know, just a couple of things I'm not really holding against him, you know? So like in general, he's just been really good and he's been that dude. So I'm I'm still letting him go there. But I, I, I do think I, I can be honest in saying like I think that Kimbrell has done everything that he can to warrant trust in that regard again. And, you know, how comfortable I would be if he's coming into a one-run game with it all on the line, right? Like, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous about that, right? Like, it's going to, yeah. you know, I we all have a little, uh, you know, emotional baggage there we're going to have to get over. It's not easy to just flip that off. But I, I think he's done and shown everything that he could to warrant thinking about that and and trusting him in those spots again he's locating his pitches he's getting whiffs he's not walking guys the velo is there is he hall of fame elite level craig kimbrell no but is can he be 
Craig Kimbrell, right? Like in 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 the sense that we wanted when they signed him, I I I do think it's possible. So I think you can you can try that again, and and that's another one of those things where if you have the luxury of you know kind of having everything wrapped up to a degree you can start to try those things, right? Like you can say, yeah. hey, we're going to let Craig get this one tonight because we want to see what it looks like when he's in a high leverage spot. So I, I think that that's, you know, something that we likely see uh, and I have no problem with it. I'm, I'm fine stating that. I, I don't think, I think it's going to take him coming back like in a safe spot, locking it down and just looking like that guy. And then I will start the podcast with, uh, hi, I'm Corey. I was wrong about Craig Kimbrell. I, yeah. I do have a semantic issue. I mean, it took like six weeks to get here. Am I really that wrong or was I right all along? Separate issue, but I said I would do it and I'll do it. We're just, we're close. Let's put it that way. I mean, some of the uh, the language you were using in those first two episodes uh, may suggest otherwise that you yeah, didn't think yeah, would happen yeah. this year. So just just, just saying, I, I'm kind of gearing towards trying it out like right now like even next series i would be fine with that jeffress has looked good i think relatively speaking uh the the entire year but especially in the last four weeks maybe some of these scouting reports are turning the page on jeffress we, we talked about that cape nine that that contact rate where he had league average contact rates um but he had a well below league average strikeout rate so i was thinking okay maybe Maybe that's going to normalize. Maybe if he continues to miss league average bats, then he's going to get a league average strikeout rate around eight or nine. But that hasn't happened yet. So the, recently, within the last two weeks, he's giving up more contacts. Take that for what you will in the sample size. But he is giving up about 15% more contact in the last two weeks compared to the first, what was it, five or six weeks. So I'm kind of like transitioning away from Jeffress in the closer spot and trying it with Kimbrell. And this is such a tricky situation because we don't have all the information about Kimbrell in terms of his side sessions and, and manager David's thoughts on him, considering he's caught him in years past and you know Tommy's hot of East data. So we we don't know if they think he's back in a position that's normal for, for Craig. So we are outsiders looking in. But I, I want someone in that ninth inning spot just to limit the nonsense as, as much as possible. So to me, that that is Kimbrell right now. I mean, he's breaking Cubs records for striking out guys in, in one inning for, what was it, nine or ten consecutive innings, whatever it was. So he's he's missing bats. And the, the command at times is maybe not the best, but he's missing bats. And it's better to miss bats and strike out two guys per inning than it is to give up well above league average contact and have balls sneak in the hole or down the line or have blue pit. So I'm getting there. I actually might already be there and I would not mind Ross going at it next series, even against the twins. I mean, we're five and a half up. You have a hundred percent playoff chance right now. It might be a chance just to, just to test the waters. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. And, and again, like I said, it's, it's just a, a luxury that they've played themselves into not which is why we wanted to get them winning yes right out right out of the game that's why it's so important yes and I do think it's a good point that you bring up there that you know that's part of the reason that we rail on some of the things like the batting order and the the little things when the lineup doesn't look as strong as it could and you know or they're sloppy in a game or whatever we're we're on that because the position that they're in now, I mean, they're five and a half games up in the division with 10 games left. 
right? It's that's crazy. that's the state of things. Uh, so that's about as good of a spot as you can possibly be. So let's the try only it out. team, yeah, the only team with a larger division lead in all of baseball than the Chicago Cubs is the Oakland Athletics at six and a half games. So this team has put in the work, and the reason that we we you know, rail on some of those things and we really talk about those things over and over again is because of this. We want them to end up in this position where they're not worried about that series with the White Sox at the end of the year. And even this series against the Twins, this series against the Twins, when we looked at the schedule to begin the year, you're thinking, okay, three of the final 10 games are against the Minnesota Twins, who you know, are not winning the division because the White Sox have gone on, you know, quite the heater, right, and are a very good team. But you still looked at the Twins as like, this is a dangerous team. I mean, they were dangerous, and then they signed Josh Donaldson to be in a point where the games still matter. I don't want to say that they don't matter, but looking at the schedule to begin the year, you thought, man, those are going to be some high-stress games against a really dangerous team, and they're not. And that's that's what you're you're playing for is is to be able to go through this last stretch as we're talking about. You have the the again you got to keep winning games. It's easy for us to focus on these things. Like the team still needs to show up and win these games and you know clinch things and get it all done right. But to be able to not think that your season hinges on how you perform against the Twins this weekend, and instead you're thinking, well, what can we do to get Craig Kimbrell exactly where we want him? so that we can go win a World Series, that's that's huge. It's huge, and it's not something that every team in this league gets to do. It's not something that any, anybody else in the Cubs division gets to do. The, the next team in the playoffs in the NL Central is the Cardinals, who have the sixth seed, because I think at the moment they're tied, maybe, or very close to second place. Uh, I think they have like a 2% lead on the Reds in terms of win percentage. So nobody else in the Cubs division is able to look at these last 10 games or, uh, you know, who knows how many games the Cardinals have left, right? But none of them are able to look at this and just focus on the playoffs, right? And the Cubs are. And seeding matters and all that other stuff. So you got to keep winning games. But the position that they find themselves in is is a really really good one, and 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 you know Kimbrel is one of those spots where it allows you to say, hey, let's try this out. If if these games meant life or death for this team, it's a different conversation about when you're trusting Kimbrel to close games again, and and which high leverage games you're giving him. It's it's a different conversation now because these games are not life or death. Their season is not going to hinge on whether he locks down those saves or not. So you can say, this is important long-term. We got the time to figure it out. So yeah, there there's a lot of little things like that, and I expect the bullpen to be an interesting spot to watch. It's always been an interesting spot to watch, but with that revelation that you're not going to have off days for a lot of these playoffs, and you're going to have to get guys ready to do you know, work back-to-back days or work multiple innings or, you know, really put a a kind of heavy load on their arm in a shorter span. I think over these next 10 days, we're going to see perhaps even more kind of testing and trial and seeing what some of these guys are made of so that Ross and Hadavi know exactly what they're dealing with when the playoffs roll around. So, to sort of wrap this up before we get to this preview of the series with the Twins, just want to touch on the offense a little bit. I mean, a lot of it is essentially what we've talked about in 
a lot of minutes and hours on this podcast. So, you know, a lot of it isn't new. Um, Ian Happ still looks really good. Jason Hayward still looks really good. But I, I think in this series particular, a couple things to kind of zone in on. Um, I, I think, again, this series was a lot better for KB and Javi, and I think that's important. KB in that first game going one for three with an RBI. He took two walks and he scored three runs. Uh, Javi in that first game going one for three. He scored two runs. He had an RBI. And then in that second game, Baez going two for five, scored a run, drove in a run. KB going one for four. Just a, a better series for these guys. I know it's not where you want them to be, uh, but I, I certainly think that Baez has that look about him that he's, you know, would, would I say he's about to go nuts or, you know, like 2018 level? Like, I don't know, right? Never but know he just, he, he's been driving the ball the other way. He hit a 450-foot home run. He's making crazy slides again. He's running the bases like a madman. He had another really good play. Uh, just taking extra bases in that game on Wednesday, in addition to scoring in the one on Tuesday. So he he looks to be kind of feeling it a little more, right? When he was really struggling, he was talking about how it was kind of weighing on him, how he didn't want to be sucking, he wasn't trying to suck, and he just looks a little looser out there, right? A little happier, and the the performance is is creeping up, right? So it was a good series for those two. Um, and we did see a little bit of a change in the lineups uh, for these games. So Javi going to the sixth spot in both of these games, Contreras in the four spot, Schwarber in the five spot in both of these games. Otherwise, the lineup at the top, half Bryant Rizzo, was the same. Uh, David, you know, talked about not really giving a clear indication of, you know, how long it would be that way or what it would take to move guys around. On the broadcast, Len and JD were talking about this, and I think it was JD that, I think Len asked him, you know, if you have a good night like Javi did on Tuesday, do you move him back or do you keep him there? And JD right away was like, keep him right there. Um, So, you know, I, I know you're, you know, you can then turn your attention to Wilson and Kyle and how they're performing in the four and five spot. Um, but I, I do think it's an interesting thing. We we had been talking about it for a while, and with not that many games left, David Ross, you know, kind of finally says, okay, we're gonna put Javi in the sixth spot and, you know, hopefully just let him do his thing. So at the at the very least, just sort of an interesting thing to be paying attention to as we go forward here. Yeah, I'm fine keeping Javi in the sixth spot, just because I think once you go from four, five, and six with Javi or Schwarber or Willie, once they're in a state of normalcy, there's not much like value difference among the three, just given in a small sample size. It's more dependent upon pitching matchups, perhaps, during the playoffs. But I'm even fine just keeping Schwarber in the cleanup spot right now. Right now, he has a 194 batting average. I understand that. And uh, his weighted on base average is 313. That's it's not who Schwarber is, but his expected weighted on base average is 360. And he has more hard hit contact by exit velo than 98% of qualified hitters this year. So he's hitting the ball far. He's walking in double digit rates as he typically does. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's him just getting unlucky with his batted balls and just getting babbit to death. That might be part of it. Or maybe it's just 
the randomness that that you see. One area I want to see Schwarber and just the, the general middle of the order, including including Rizzo, is being a little bit more aggressive against pitches, not just in the zone that's been a staple of the year, but towards the heart of the zone. So on Baseball Savant, you can go in, you can look at the run value by by zone, and you can actually see the heart of the zone. They they draw it out for you. This year, Schwarber's taking pitches in the heart of the zone 35% of the time, and that is way more than last year and years past, around 26 to 28%. Doesn't seem like much, but when we're talking about you know hundreds of pitches here, it, do, it does make a difference, even though the percentage is not that much difference uh, intuitively. So I want to see them just Stay in their spots. Get going. I have faith in all three of them at this point, uh, especially Javi's giving more, giving me more confidence with his last three games, uh, just the way he's approaching at-bats. So I'm I'm fine keeping it where it is, whether it's Schwarber in the four spot or five spot or Willie in the four or five spot, and then and then Javi in the six spot, and even going into the playoffs, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, again, I, I, I know like I keep saying this, and I can hear myself repeating myself. Uh, but it's, it's all just where these guys are in when the playoffs start. We, we've said this all along and we're at the point where they've performed in the regular season. You know, they, they've done the job, uh, not completely right. They still got to win the division, want to get one of those seeds, et cetera, but they're going to make the playoffs. They've shown up and they've performed well enough to make the playoffs. And so we don't really have to worry about what we were worried about at the beginning of the year. All that matters is what these guys do in that short sample. And if they can, and you know, right now it's an if, because it hasn't really happened all year. But again, like Chris Bryant said, nobody's going to care if it only happens at the right time, right? If you can have Ian Happ and Jason Hayward performing the way that they are, and you can get even a, a couple of Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Javi, to go off to the level that they're capable of. Behind the arms of you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks, Let's go. and in my mind, playoff John Lester, Yes, they can do anything, right? Like, they really can, I, you know, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be a pissing match between, like, oh, are they better than the Dodgers? Are they better than the Braves? Are they better than the Padres? I have no idea. They can be, though. That's the thing. And it's not an unrealistic thing to say. It's not an like anybody can beat anybody on any given day type of thing. No, that's not what I mean. I mean that this lineup has the potential to realistically, right, be better than anybody that they're playing if it's all clicking at the right time. Will it? I don't know. It hasn't all year. It hasn't for, you know, 50 games. So I don't know. But it can. And it's tantalizing to think about, right? You just sort of start to envision it, and it becomes really easy to see. So where they'll be in 10 games, I don't know. I, if you asked me my honest expectation of what this team looks like in the playoffs, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you, right? I think that any extreme is on the table, as we've seen with them all regular season, uh, and we've seen with them in playoffs past. But the possibility is there. And to see a series here 
where KB and Javi are maybe starting to get going, contributing in different facets of the game, and you just know what some of these guys are capable of. It's easy to let your mind drift to thinking like, okay, like this, they, they really could do this, and it's not a crazy thing to suggest. Okay, let's preview this upcoming three-game set. This is going to be a fun one. Just looking at these pitching matchups, uh, this Twins series is, is going to be really fun. So on Friday, we have the Twins' Rich Hill facing uh, the Cubs' Kyle Hendricks. That Friday game starts at 7.15 p.m. Central Time. Rich Hill on the year is 2-1 with a 3.81 ERA. He'll be facing Kyle Hendricks again with that 5-4 record with that 3.29 ERA. On Saturday, this will be another fun one. We have the Twins' Michael Pineda matching up. Against Alec Mills, returning off that no-hitter. Mills on the year with good numbers, 5-3, a 3.93 ERA. Uh, Pineda is 1-0 with a 3.57 ERA. Same start time, 7.15 p.m. Central. And then on Sunday to finish off the three-game set, we have a Sunday night game, Corey. That starts at 6.08 p.m. Central. We have the Twins' Jose Barrios on the mound, who is 4-3 with a 4.15 ERA. This is a good one. We have you Darvish facing Barrios. Darvish on the year. Of course, that's Cy Young candidate. He's 7-2 with a 1.86 ERA. These are just great pitching matchups. That Jose Barrios-Darvish matchup might be one of the one of the best of the year. I know he faced Bauer recently, but Barrios is tough. He's got that loopy, slurve-looking pitch at an orthodox release point. And for the Cubs right now, they are five and a half games up of the Cincinnati Reds. They are 25 and 26, a little bit of a winning streak there for Cincinnati. The Cardinals, they lost three of that five-game set against the Brewers. They are still five and a half games out. Milwaukee sits six and a half games out. And then, of course, I love seeing it. The Pirates are 14 and 34. They are eliminated from the division. They are 15 games back. The entire National League picture picture right now, we have the Atlanta Braves, who are first in the East, 29 and 21. In the West, it's the Dodgers, 35 and 15. Three and a half games up of San Diego. This is changing almost daily now with these close records. But as of this moment, we have the Marlins and Phillies uh, behind the Braves in the NL East. Uh, the Marlins are 25 and 22. The Phillies are 24 and 24. Uh, at the moment, it's a toss-up between the Marlins, Phillies, Reds, and Cardinals, whom the Cubs could be playing in that first three-game set. So keep monitoring the NL East picture, and then the Central will just take care of itself with all these doubleheaders coming up. So that's what I got, man. Just uh, have fun with the series. I think, yeah, the division's not locked up yet, and the playoffs are not technically wrapped up, but it's final according to these projections almost. So have fun with this. You have the Barrios-Darvish matchup. You have Javi looking better. You have the bullpen playing well. You have Mills coming off his no-hitter. So this is this is going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Which, again, I, 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 I have to bring it up again that like this series along with that White Sox one to end the season was circled as like man this yeah. is this could be a real mess like yep. not not that I felt badly about it but just like just these are good know. teams yeah you never know yeah these are good teams and I think especially the Twins and White Sox like they have scary lineups and just knowing with you know I think at the beginning of the year you just sort of assumed the Reds weren't going to be as bad as they've been and the Cardinals would you know, be able to follow basic protocols and not derail their entire season and stuff. 
and it just hasn't worked out that way. So it's nice to be able to go into this weekend and not be completely freaking out about like <laughs> yeah. each of these games because that's what I would have expected in in this in this series. So it's it's really just keep your keep your foot on the pedal, man. Like I think it's it's obviously a different situation and stuff, but you know, we've just seen two straight years of, you know, sort of not being able to get the job done in September the way that you wanted and they've done it so far and you know I mean you're looking at potentially being able to clinch the division I think early next week and stuff so keep your foot on the pedal stomp the throat you know cut the head off whatever adage you want to use for that just do it you know what I mean don't waste any time show up take care of business and you know get your champagne oh wait I think Manfred isn't allowing that either I know. the clown that he is um however they're gonna celebrate I don't I, I don't know whatever liquid they can spray on one another they can I am aware of what I just said uh <laughs> but just get the job done like that that's that's really what it is it, it's it's beating a dead horse at this point but uh my focus is on getting everything as close to right as we can uh, for the playoffs. And I don't know if they're going to bring anybody up. You know, we've heard a lot about someone like Braylon Marquez and stuff like that. I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, but now, you know, now's the time, I guess, is is the point I'm making. And, you know, someone like Adbear Alzali, who, you know, if Chatwood is out and we're not sure what Quintana is going to bring, Quintana is another one, like seeing what these guys are going to be able to offer you, because this is your last shot to figure it out before it really, really matters. Uh, so that's, that's where my focus is just kind of keeping things rolling. And, you know, I, I, as crazy as it seems, but, you know, just like starting to shift that focus to like, okay, like we have playoff series to get ready for. We have starters to line up. We have a lineup to think about and, you know, pitching matchups to, to figure out because you're going to have to win two of three games against somebody pretty quickly or your season's going to be over. So I, I think as, as wild as it is to be flipping that script, um, you know, after it feels like this season just started, we're at that point where you, you know, you sort of start to shift into playoff mode. Like, okay, what does this team need to do? What do we need to see? What questions do we have left unanswered? Because this is the last little bit of runway we have to figure that out. So uh, that's that's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, fun couple games. Anytime we can play the Indians, we're going to relive that 2016 glory uh, every single time. I, I've said this before, but in 50 years, we will still be doing this podcast. And if they play the Indians, I will make the same jokes. Okay. You can, you know, clip this episode and remind yourself if you're sick of it 40 years from now. I told you, I warned you, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, but especially, you know, two walk-offs too. I mean, there's nothing better than watching guys, even, even as they try to do it as socially distanced as they can. But like Cameron Mabin, his reaction after he uh, got hit and won the yeah, game awesome. on Tuesday, just a huge smile, did a big jump when he got to first base. Wednesday, Javi jumping in the air, Rizzo doing his little fake like boxing punches to his stomach as he's jumping around. It's great. The vibes are great. It was a great couple days and book ended by a couple of off days. So good for the team to, to get some rest and good for all of us because uh, this is a first place team that are going to be in the playoffs and you're, this is your last chance to get your mind right, right? Before we uh, get into what's going to be a, a pretty wild and fast paced 
playoffs, uh, especially if there's no off days. So I think that's all we have for you. As always, thank you guys for listening to and participating with the Cubs-related podcast. We will come back to you uh, on Sunday night after the Cubs and Twins wrap up their series. And other than that, I, I don't really have much to add. The Cubs are 30-20. and 20. They have a five-and-a-half game lead in the division with 10 games left. If that doesn't allow you to sleep easy at night, I'm not sure I can provide anything that will. Uh, but with that being said, we always end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs. <laughs>